Welcome to It's Not Business, It's Personal, the ultimate podcast for creative and sensitive small business owners. I'm your host, Trisha Kinichi. I've been working with small businesses for over nine years, and I'm here to flip the script on how we talk about business. You are you for a reason. You don't have to change who you are to be successful. It's possible to meld business strategy, living in your purpose, and art. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Kindred spirits. I'm Trisha, your friendly, sensitive, and creative small business coach. I hope that you are having a beautiful, beautiful day. I am so excited because this is the very first interview episode of this podcast. It's not business, it's personal. I will tell you all that when I sat down to create the outline of this season of the show, I was just really trying to think through what would be, I mean, just the the best guidance and support that I could bring you. Who were the best people to talk to? Who, you know, what could I make sure to say for you that would really, you know, help you and change your life? And I started to create a list of the people that I would love to interview. And the absolute very first person that I put on the list was Katie Miles. I am just so, so thrilled to be joined by Katie today. Katie is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, You may know her as Katie Talks Therapy on both TikTok and Instagram, where she has just built this beautiful following and just creates this content that people really, really resonate with all about relationship therapy and therapy in general, mental health. Uh, She's also the co-founder of the app Habit Better, which is a brand new way for therapists and coaches to take care of their clients and to ensure client success. They are going to revolutionize the coaching and therapy world. And so we're so excited to be following along with that. So Katie's just taking care of clients. She's taking care of her fellow therapists. She trained at one of the top 10 academic medical centers in the US. Very impressive. And she has her own private practice now in San Diego. And also she's getting married this year. So lots of just beautiful things happening with you. Katie, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm telling you, when I heard that said back to me, I felt way cooler than I usually do on a daily basis. So thank you for (laughs) reminding me of who I am and and what I've come to. That is, it's very cool. Yeah, you are, you are a multiple successful business owner. I mean, you are (laughs) one of the most impressive people I know. I'm so glad that. Oh Oh my gosh. That reminder. Well, Um, you know, I think it's, I mean, you, you probably experienced this too. We, you know, most humans do where, we do a lot of things, right? When we reach a lot of goals, but on a day-to-day basis, we just feel like ourselves. Like, I don't feel like, a, you know, a business owner or like a, you know, double business owner. I just feel like Katie just trying to make it through the day. <laughs> that is fair. And that's actually just a really wonderful observation of <laughs> that's, that's normal, everyone. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Oh, well, and I also just wanted to say, too, that we are so lucky. I've been so lucky to know you for a really long time. You and I grew up together, actually. We're both from El Paso, Texas. Uh, Both ended up in California in very, uh, I guess I would say, complementary fields. And so it's just been, it's been so nice to, like, just reconnect with you in this way, like, as adults, you know? I know. It's amazing. And I mean, like, we totally grew up together, but we were, like, at that, like, our families, you know, we're best friends. We ski trips together, all that fun stuff. But you and I, and we've talked about this before, 
we got to connect in a new way that we never had before in our adulthood. Because when you're younger, right, I think there's like that couple year age difference. So you were really hanging out mostly with, you know, my brother and Hillary, um, my sister, and getting to connect with you as an adult. And like you said, in these complementary fields has been so special and so unique. And I think I've learned so much from you, you have really been like my unofficial official business coach, right? You've given me so much wisdom. So it's, it's a beautiful relationship. I'm so honored to, yeah. to know you. You're, you're my, my unofficial official therapist. So <laughs> we, we just kind of swap. <laughs> we, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so I guess we had, that was a nice little like lead up into. I would just love to know like a little bit just of your story. Like obviously we, I just have been aware of what you've been like has been going on in your life just knowing you. But yeah, I would love to hear you tell it about becoming a therapist and especially like owning businesses and starting your own businesses as a sensitive person. So what was that journey for you? Like what led you to being here? So honestly, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be a licensed therapist and I would have, you know, businesses and I'd be doing this thing, I would have been really, really confused. This was not my life plan at all. So I, I a little background, I grew up in, in El Paso in a really amazing family. They're really great and supportive. And I, I think we also grew up in the age of dream big, you know, you can do whatever you want to do, which is a beautiful yes. message. And a, a little reductive, <laughs> but sure. Um, well, a little bit of pressure. <laughs> a, a little bit of pressure, a little reductive, right? It, you're not seeing a lot of the, the things that come along with. You can do whatever you want to do. But I was always a performer. I still am. I'm, I'm a major ham. I love performing. And so I latched on to this dream of being an actress and at, at some points being a pop star. It's also in there, actress slash pop star, you know, age of Britney Spears. Oh, I, I, I saw your dance moves from your oh, living you room did. as we were oh, growing up. I mean, you, you, you yeah. got it, girl. <laughs> you saw my early audition tapes. Is what oh, I like to you, you have the it factor. <laughs> I, oh, absolutely. Right. That, and so that's why most of my actions growing up and also a lot of my inactions were towards that growing up. And what I mean by inactions, like I maybe didn't take school as seriously as I maybe should have because I was like, oh, I don't need it. I'm going to be an actress, which is not true at all. You need an education. There is education in, <laughs> you know, the the skill and, and the practice of theater and acting and film, but not in my mind as a high schooler. So eventually um, I kind of uh, pulled together academically. I got into UT Austin and I was a theater major and I just loved it. I loved the the being in a safe, lovely group and playing and being vulnerable and getting creative and putting on performances. It was all really, really lovely. And then, you know, I graduated and I entered into what I call the real world of the theater and film business. And it was not what I always imagined it to be. And it wasn't going super well for me. Um, when I got to just play and be creative, I loved it. But when it came to the career, I I think there were a few different factors. One, it's a really brutal career path. Like it's oh, what yeah. you have to do is, it's rough. And I also, I just don't think I was 
motivated in that way that I would have needed to be maybe sacrificing certain things that I just didn't want to sacrifice. I mean, age was a factor. I was like 22 years old. Right. So at 22 years old, I wasn't ancient in Hollywood. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Right. So I was already past my prime. (laughs) It just wasn't going the way I wanted it to. And I had uh, my first panic attack at about 22 years old, 23 years old while I was working a shift at a restaurant because of course I was a server and I that I call that my it was my quarter life crisis luckily I had a connection with a therapist already who I'd been seeing for for years and so I had to really reconnect with myself and was able to do it through through you know therapy and we went through a really rigorous time where I had to get really specific and honest with myself about what I really enjoyed I'm really looking at like the seeds of enjoyment, right? What did I like about performing? What did I like about acting and theater and film and all that stuff? And over the course of time, I identified that really, I love the intimate study of human behavior. I love getting curious about someone, right? In theater and film, it was getting curious about the character I was playing, right? Like, why are they doing this? Like, what are their needs? What are, what are they experiencing in this moment with this person, right? And like conceptualizing why they're behaving the way that they are. And I also love connecting with people. I'm a very social person. I love collaborating and, and storytelling and helping other people tell their stories. And so I came up with a few different other career paths that really hit on those marks. Um, but my therapist also, he like, he, he was the one who like put the last straw there. He was like, you know, I think you'd really love being a therapist. And I was like, great, I'll take it. <laughs> just was like, okay, that's it. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> tell me what to do. So I ended up, I applied to grad school and I fell in love with academia in a way I've never fallen in love with it before. I just really thrived there and really enjoyed it. So I, I like to reflect on it as saying I'm somebody who had to let go of her dream in order to find her passion. Oh, that's Beautiful. Beautifully said. I love that. I Well, you know that I have a very similar journey. You know, I also thought I was going to go into acting and I totally resonate with the idea that when you actually get into the acting world, it's, you know, in, in college, you it's like 99% acting and 1% hustle. And it's yep. when you get out, it's 99% hustle and 1% acting. Like you're only getting to actually do the art and the parts that you like you know, maybe if you're lucky 1% of the time. And so different thing, especially has for other creatives that are listening to that your industry might end up being in the real world different than what you thought it would be. And I think that's what lends so many of us to become small business owners is because we love that like autonomy and wanting to really follow what we believe in. But uh, yeah, sometimes there are limitations within our industry that Make it so hard. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's dis, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, what's the word? Discouraging. <laughs> totally discouraging. Absolutely. And I, I think you just wrapped it up in a really beautiful way that I hadn't thought of myself. It's the like, you only get to do what you really love 1% of the time. And that's so true that a lot of us have an, an image or an idea of what this field or career is going to look f- like for us. And sometimes we get discouraged and disappointed. But the reality is you don't know that it's going to be that way until you do it. It's not that you somehow made the wrong decision. It's you didn't have all the data. You didn't know what it was going to be like. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's so beautiful that you were able to um, actually dissect that and see what it was about acting that really just spoke to you and resonated with you. And to be able to do that at such a young age, I feel like, you know, sometimes we're seeing people, even our parents age that still have never been able to do that work to figure out what it is that they truly are passionate about and like what's behind it. Um, and staying reactive instead of active. And so it's really amazing that you were able to jump into being so active. Did you, when you were like studying therapy, did you, uh, like, did it dawn on you that you were going to be a small business owner? Like, was that part of it for you? Or did did that kind of seem like a separate part that you would just kind of get to? Because I'm sure in academia, did they talk about business? Or yeah, I would love to know that experience for you. So I think I knew that I wanted to go into private practice because I am somebody who really likes her freedom and her flexibility. I don't love it when somebody is making my schedule for me or telling me what I need to do. Asking for days off. Yeah. Asking for days off. Right. Exactly. When I'm going to end the day, when I'm going to start the day. So while I was very aware that I was going to have to work my way into that, right? I had to, I spent two or three years working at for a hospital system, UCSD. I always had in my head, yeah, I want to go into private practice. Now, did I know exactly what that was going to entail as far as like the business side of it? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Was I surprised every step of the way? Totally. And to go back to what your kind of second part, yeah, no, in my um, grad school program, and really in talking to other therapists, social workers in their grad school programs, they do not spend a lot of time, if any time, talking about, here's how you build your business. It's here's how you be a therapist, right? And then everything else we had to figure out on our own. I mean, I ended up going to an amazing workshop by, ironically, one of my professors um, from grad school. She saw this gap. I was like, I need to, I, I need to create something. Um, and it was how to build a private practice. And her name is Dr. Cassidy Freitas. Um, and she has a, a wonderful account called Holding Space for Therapists on Instagram that is all about like helping therapists build um, private practices and what to do. But if without her in that workshop, man, I would have, I just wouldn't have known. Yeah. I feel like I see that so much people going into the arts or service industries, you know, like I have clients that are dentists and it's like, they know everything there is to know about dentals, dental practice, but then it comes to the actual practice and the running of the business. And it's kind of crazy that that's not part of the curriculum. It is. It should be be it really should be i'm gonna i'm gonna call them up after this and let them know (laughs) (laughs) well so running your business and so you actually let's back up for just a second so you identify as being a sensitive person yeah so what has that experience been like for you then as a sensitive person diving into running a business yeah so when i when i think of a sensitive person, I think as somebody who is just acutely aware of their own emotions, and also the emotional, the emotions of other people. Does that mean we always get it right when we're, you know, attuning to other people and their emotions? No, absolutely not. There's pros and cons to it, right? And because of somebody who is acutely aware of her emotions, it can it can lead me to do a a few different things when it comes to business, right? Um, Things can feel so strong that sometimes the instinct is to dole it 
And by dull it, I mean, right, like avoid it, you know, try to, to put the fire out, so to speak. And when you're starting a business, there are a lot of emotions. There's fear, there's excitement, there's, you know, anxiety, there's stress, there's confusion. You're dealing with a lot of mixed feelings as well. Because within all that, you know, there's also joy, right? Oh my gosh, I'm getting to build this thing. And this is so exciting. There's maybe a sense of accomplishment or pride. But sitting with those mixed emotions, when you're a sensitive person for that long of a period of time, because it does, it takes time, right? There's yeah. many, many mountains to climb, can be pretty exhausting. And so it can in- impact our mental health, right, on an individual level. And I, you know, I also see, and this is my brain as a relationship therapist, it it impacts the relationships and also how we connect to their emotional states. So like I said, sensitive people are acutely aware of their own emotions and the emotions of other people. But if I'm in a mixed emotion state, and I'm kind of, you know, emotionally offline or dysregulated because of these mixed emotions and this roller coaster experience that I'm having while I'm building a small business, you know, I'm, I'm more likely to interpret other people's emotional states as like, maybe not so great, right? If I, maybe, you know, my partner gets home from, you know, his job, and he's a little maybe exasperated about his day. I as a sensitive person <laughs> might take that on, I might personalize it, it might kind of, you know, I, I'll have a harder time regulating myself. So it's, <laughs> it's complicated. But it's also really beautiful, because when you are in touch with your emotional state, right? Your emotions give you really wonderful data. And if you know how to listen to that data, right, and filter out the the things that are not helpful and tune into the things that are helpful, it can be a godsend. It can be really phenomenal for pointing you in the right direction as to how you want to build your business, what kind of framework you need to set up for yourself. Oh, yeah, that self-awareness is just everything, I feel like when it comes to owning a business, this is something I'm always saying. It's like the better you know yourself, the better you can set up your business to support you. And it's so easy. You know, we're even talking about this in our lives before, but also going into business to be so reactive and to immediately be jumping off of the needs of everyone else, to be jumping into what we think everyone else would want to see from us, um, instead of actually really tuning in with who we really are, how we really work, <laughs> what we really yep. need out of this business, you know, where like where our strengths are and where our weaknesses are, and actually being truthful about that, which can be really brutal. <laughs> oh, it's so brutal. I I learned really quickly. <laughs> strengths and weaknesses were. And I, you know, looking back, it almost just seems like a dream when I was first building my private practice of just how, how many times I felt so proud of myself for doing something. And then how many times I just broke down crying, because it all felt so hard. And I think it's you are forced to look at yourself in a very, very clear way. You know, and look at those weaknesses, like, oh, man, I'm not very organized. Like this is this might get in my way a little bit, right? You have to get especially when you don't have those other structures, like when you're working for another business, right? They have all these things in place that are kind of invisible to you until you try to build it yourself. 
Yeah. So how do you, how do you gain that self-awareness? What are some ways that you can start to do that? <laughs> um, cry? Just kidding. Um, I remember a lot of crying. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great suggestion. I'm, I'm very pro-crying. <laughs> I mean, the, the nicer way of, of looking at that is making space for yourself to feel what you're feeling and taking time to evaluate why you are feeling the way you are feeling. That for me uh, was really important. And at the beginning, I wasn't giving myself that much space. I was just trying to plow through. I was trying to do what I thought business people did. And that was actually getting in my way because I was and I was kind of building something that wasn't for me. I was building like a, a different a template for business people. And so giving myself space to, you know, feel that I was feeling um, burnt out. Right. And then ask myself, why am I feeling burnt out right now? Like, aren't I doing what I aren't I building what I wanted to build? And then asking myself, like, okay, like burnt out usually means that you're like, you're running past your resources here. And so what, how can I conserve my resources? Do I need to like build this, my structure, my schedule in a different way? Is it the number of clients that I'm taking on or not taking on? And it really did usually boil down to that. There's something, some kind of expectation I have in my head that doesn't match up with my values and how I actually want to be. But I didn't, I wouldn't get there unless I gave myself space to feel that. And that can, you know, be uncomfortable, but I highly recommend journaling for that process. It's really important. And then you can go back and look at your journal prompts and be like, Oh, like reminder, I already did this and it didn't go well. Why don't I, why don't I try the new plan? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I feel like that's something I've really learned from you over time too, is approaching these things as they come up with curiosity instead of mm-hmm. with shame. Cause yeah. I like, and yeah, would you speak to that a little bit more? about what can happen when we start to just take on the guilt and the shame of feeling like our business isn't working for us rather than approaching it with curiosity. Oh my gosh, yes. I have this vivid memory of sitting on the floor of my bedroom, like leaned up against the bed, just bawling, crying. Because I had made a mistake in my business and it really, it went down to like, kind of like, it was a mistake that anybody could have made really any and and then as I asked around or as I started sharing my story I found out many other people had made that exact same mistake in my field so I was like woo but in the moment I did not feel that way in the moment I you know one my emotional reservoir was really low so I had that pre-existing vulnerability there but I interpret that mistake as I suck I'm bad. I don't know what I'm doing. You shouldn't be doing this and I really had a deep moment of shame. And it felt awful, um, as shame does. And it also wasn't true. It wasn't true that I was bad at what I was doing. It wasn't true that I, you know, I shouldn't start a a private practice. It wasn't true that was never going to work out for me. That mistake didn't define me. But it is, you know, there are a lot of vulnerability factors when you're starting a new business that you can, it's a slippery slope to shame, right? You're tired, you're burnt out. You're, you're constantly having to be vulnerable and brave. Oh, and, yeah. and it feels like the whole world is watching you, even though they're not. Um, everyone's too wrapped up in their own stuff. 
but it, it feels you're so exposed, right? And so that was like a really potent moment for me where I just felt shame. And thank God I had such a supportive fiance who just, you know, was there to comfort me. But the alternative to that is, like you said, it's getting curious and using a lot of self-compassion. And I had to use self-compassion. I mean, I still do. But especially during this time, the self-compassion was my number one tool. And uh, the components I love about self-compassion and why it works so well when you're building a, a business for yourself is there's the first part is mindfulness, right? So like I said earlier, making space for what you're feeling. So I'm feeling like an idiot or I'm feeling really stressed. I'm feeling I'm feeling like I'm the only one in the world who's ever made this mistake, right? And that's making me feel shame. And then moving on to common humanity, which is the idea that you are 1000% not the only one who has made this mistake. You're not alone in probably what you did. And you're definitely not alone in what you're feeling and experiencing. Everybody in the world has felt shame before. Everyone in the world has felt stressed or anxious before, or like they're an idiot. And then the third part is act of being kind to yourself of, of saying, you know what, it's okay that you made this mistake or saying, hey, you're learning. You're not supposed to know everything right now. Nobody knows anything, everything right now. And it's okay that you made this mistake. And what can I do? You know, asking yourself, what can I do to make you feel better in this moment? Right. And when we speak to ourselves with self-compassion, it's actually not letting us off the hook. You're not going to be like, well, whatever, screw that mistake. I'm not going to fix it. Um, you're actually more <laughs> likely to be able to go back and, and think through it clearly and be like, okay, what can I do next time? Because you've made it safe to do so. Shame is going to make you think like it's not safe to go back out there again. Whereas self-compassion says, you're okay. Go back out there again. You can do it. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's even just those little shifts of like phrasing within how we like talk to ourselves makes such a huge difference. Yeah, it does. Oh, okay. I really love the way that you talk about self-compassion because I feel like that is, yeah, one of the biggest skills you have to develop as a business owner. I feel like, like, and I'm always saying this too about courage, like my very first episode of the podcast was all about courage and bravery because I truly believe that it's a, a muscle that we have to build up. It's not something that we're just born with. I think we just have these expectations on ourselves that we're just going to like run into the fire. And when you are a business owner, it sometimes it feels like you're running into fire like every day. <laughs> like, no, yeah. like even in like in small ways, it might be a little tiny fire at the beginning, but it's like you are, you're constantly having to put yourself out there in ways that make you uncomfortable. You're having to talk to people that you haven't talked to before. You're out of your comfort zone a lot. And so I think I'm all, like, that's a lot of what I'm telling my clients, especially that are new in business is like, I'm going to say in the nicest way possible, lower your expectations. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I always say to my clients, what are, what are you going to be okay with letting fall through the cracks? Because something's going to fall through the cracks and it goes hand in hand with lower your expectations, right? Even on a weekly basis, sometimes I plan out like my, what am I going to do this week? Or even hell, even on a daily basis, what am I going to get done today? I get like half the stuff <laughs> on, on that list. And I'm like, what? What happened? But it's just because we, I think as humans, we naturally set ourselves up with way too high of expectations. And then we feel like we failed if we didn't meet them. But 
you're not failing. You just, you need to let things fall through the cracks. Yeah. So how do you do that personally or, you know, like as a therapist, like how do you uh, yourself or help people learn how to discern what to say yes to and what to say no to? Like, I mean, obviously mm. in your business, but also in life, how do you, I mean, because that's intuition, right? I mean, that's where we eventually have to get to. And especially as sensitive people, we tend to struggle with people pleasing. We want to jump into what everyone else wants us to do or what we, we feel like we should be doing rather than what we actually want to be doing. You know, sometimes we even go as far as we feel like we have to pretend to be somebody else in order to succeed. I feel like you were kind of saying that a little bit earlier that you end up doing these things within your business that burn you out just because you thought that's what you had to do. And so how do you start to discern what's actually right for you and yourself Mm -hmm. and like taking away all the noise and everyone else's expectations and tuning in? How do you do that? Yeah, it's really hard. And I think it's some, there's not like a really great, here's the trick, or here's the tool. Because it's one on it's on an individual basis, right? Other people are gonna be able to tell maybe differently than I or you would be able to tell. And also, I think it's because it, it is a constant practice. This is not I apply some kind of tip or trick. And now I'm always gonna know what to say yes yes or what to say no to it's consistent checking in but you know i think things that are helpful kind of found foundational level for being able to you know say yes to the things that matter and say no to the things that don't matter is one values clarification that has been so helpful doing that with you i'm sorry i didn't interrupt you but that i just have to go in with another extra push for values clarification yeah please explain that (laughs) There's your 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 extra motivation, guys. Trisha coming in with the with the. It's very helpful. <laughs> highly re- highly recommend. <laughs> highly recommended by Trisha. But it is it's so pivotal, and not just in your business. I mean, values are for your relationships, your hobbies, and your venture, your your community, your your spirituality. It's essentially it's how you want to be in the world and what matters to you. So. I learned pretty quickly on what my values were in in business because UCSD was wonderful for training me and I met the most amazing people and my supervisor was phenomenal and it is it's a a, a business that you know is structured in a way that it tells me what to do <laughs> and when to do it and so I learned really quickly getting burned out there all the time is that I really value flexibility in in my business or in my career, meaning I like to be able to create my own schedule. I like to be, I, I don't like to have my days completely packed. I'd rather have breaks in between. I need to be able to go get outside and go for a walk or do something or go to a Pilates class or something like that because it rejuvenates me and I work better that way. So identifying your values, how you want to be, how you want this to go can be a really great way to decide on kind of a day-to-day basis what to say yes and what to say no to because you can just ask yourself, does this align with my values, right? And that's not to say that every single thing is going to feel great to you or that you're going to be super jazzed to do it. Sometimes you have to say yes to things that like aren't super fun, right? If I was only saying yes to the things that I thought were fun, 
as much as I'm motivated by fun, then, you know, I, I might be missing out on building towards my goals, right? right. Or you may never, you know, pay taxes. <laughs> sure, right, because taxes aren't fun. So I, I'm just going to say no to taxes. It doesn't align with my values. So I hope the IRS is not listening right now. <laughs> and if you are, I'm kidding. I'm going to do my taxes. But yeah, I mean, it, it's at least a compass, a little bit of a guidance where you can ask yourself, like, does this align with my values? Am I speaking from how I want to be in the world? Or am I speaking from what I think I'm supposed to do? Mm. Oh, yes. I feel like that is the the hardest thing to start separating, especially for me personally, as a uh, recovering, very intense people pleaser. That has been just a journey. And it's I mean, it's still a continuous journey daily of learning to separate myself from other people and my own wants and my own expectations from those that have been placed on me or that I even just that maybe I didn't that not even like specifically were placed on me, but that I think are placed on me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think that's a sensitive person thing too, right? We, we try to read other people's minds and their interpretations of us. And so we sometimes throw in some really faulty assumptions in there of like, oh, they'll only like me if I do this, or they'll only think I'm good at what I do if I do this. And yes. that's, that's a trap. It's a sensitive a person trap. trap. Yes. Oh, oh, that is so well said. Absolutely. And I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like we're, we're taught such specific things about business that if we start to break off from that, then we feel like we're doing it wrong rather than we're just doing it our own way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everybody can do it their own way. There's, there's not a lot of right and wrong, right? It's what's right for you and what's wrong for you. You're building your own business. How do you want, how do you want this to be? What kind of rules do you, do you want to come up with in your business? Yes. Yeah. The rules. I love that. The rules. You create your own rules. What in your business specifically do you feel like you kind of go by your own rules rather than would be a traditional way of running a business or a therapy practice? Totally. I think it boils down to my boundaries and my schedule and my habits, I think. Boundaries, schedules, and habits. Um Boundaries as far as, you know, I, I think speaking to like, if there's any therapists or coaches, you know, when you're when you're building who are listening, um, which I'm sure there are, <laughs> when you're building, like when you're first going into private practice, or like building up your practice, I think we, we I, uh, I at least went in with this idea of like, Oh, my God, you have to sign as many clients as possible. You have to fill your schedule, right? That's the only way you're going to succeed or make money. You have to say yes, to everyone. So if somebody wants to have a session at 7pm on a Friday, then you, you just got to take it right. And that's <laughs> one. Sound. I feel that so hard. <laughs> right. And there's there are messages out in the world that tell you, you need to be like that, right? Say yes to everything. Don't turn away business. Don't turn away a client. Hustle. The customer is always right. The customer is always right. Absolutely. And so for for myself, while I was very aware of that messaging and there was part of that scarcity working inside of me, especially at the beginning, I was just like, oh my God, I just need clients. And yes, there's a certain part of me that needed to pay the bill. So I had to, you know, take on clients. Sure, but sure. <laughs> what I what I did was I I think I had a couple other people in my ear who gave some pretty solid messages of like, hey, 
no, you need to like, once you start saying yes to clients at 7pm on a Friday, you're kind of you can be stuck there for a while. It's very hard to get out of that. And so uh, me with my my flexibility and my motivated by fun, I was like, that can't happen. I will be miserable if that happens. And so I set some really clear boundaries, internal boundaries for myself of listen, I am going to run my practice from, you know, first session 9 a.m., last session 4 p.m. And I'm going to have some breaks in between. Occasionally, right, if it's, you know, just to kind of add a like a, a nice dose of reality into this. Occasionally, like if I, I have a client that I've been seeing for a long time and right now her school schedule just got in and it's kind of crazy. And so I'm like, you know what? Okay, I can handle seeing you at like 8 a.m., right? Mm-hmm. But only because I built everything else to work for me and my wiring and my personality, am I able to do that? Because I'm not burnt out. I can go, yeah, yeah, I can totally handle that. And it's on your terms. It's on my terms, right? I, I'm not forced to do it. It's something I am able and willing to do. And so I don't feel any kind of resentment about it. I'm, it's, it's totally fine. I'm happy to do this for her. And, you know, so setting boundaries around how, what, how am I going to build my business, right? How do I want to handle my resources, right? My time, my mental health, right? Was, was a little bit different than what I even see some other therapists I know in the field doing. They're kind of, they just kind of took on everyone. And sometimes they're seeing clients that late and it might work for them. That might be fine. But some, I hear them complain about it. So I don't think it's totally working. Yeah. Well, and I feel like it's, you know, to each their own. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure to each their own. And that's the beautiful part is creating businesses that work for us specifically. But as you know, especially coaches and therapists, like what we do, like what we're actually charging for is those moments being present with our clients. And so like, I mean, where the actual magic comes in our business is those moments where we are live in connection with our clients. And if you are burnt out, you know, there's no way that you can still have that same connection and still give that same service and guidance and support in the moment that you will. It's like it affects everything. It becomes this, I feel like, slippery slope that it's like you are doing all these things to bring in all these clients. But then when you're actually in the moment with them, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're not actually able to support them in the way that you wish and hope that you would. And so I feel like those boundaries are actually for your clients. They're for yes. them. So that way you can show up better when you're with them and give so much more of yourself, giving yeah, better service when you feel taken care of too. I love I love that you said that because that is a really another one of my business values is connection. It's we're going back to that, my early story, right? What were the seeds of enjoyment and what I do? It's connecting with another person, right? Hearing yeah. their story, helping them identify who they are. And so if I am taking or packing my day with six, seven clients a day, I mean, I cap out at five. And if I have five a day, I'm like, whoa, like that was too, too much, right? Yeah. Or it's like right on the cusp. But if I'm taking more than that, God, my poor, the last clients of the day, they're getting a third of me, right? And that's not, that goes against who I want to be or how I want to be as a a therapist in my business, right? It even goes against who I want to be in my ability to focus like with with my other business with Habit Better, right? I want to be able to really connect with what I'm doing and what I'm writing and what I'm creating. And so that level of connection is determined by my boundaries, my schedules and my habits throughout the day. Yes. 
Oh, it's so important. Sometimes it feels like when we get stressed and, you know, same thing, we're getting a ton of inquiries from different clients or, you know, like we're starting to feel uh, pulled in a lot of directions. Usually the first thing to go is the taking care of ourselves. That's the first thing of like, oh, I guess I don't have time for yoga. Like, oh, I guess I'm moving therapy again this week because I've really got to spend this next hour working on my client work or whatever the things are. And we and then it's like we give and give and give and give. And in the end, it actually our clients are the ones that end up suffering. It's like we aren't able to give them what they actually need because we didn't end up putting the boundaries on what we can give and how much. (laughs) Right. Um, Nobody wins. Yeah. I wanted to get real quick. I definitely wanted to talk about one of the biggest concepts that I have learned from you and that I pass on to my clients now. And I think you actually got this from your therapist, but is the idea of fillers and how you take the time. So we're talking about this, like depleting your cup, like we're like pouring out all day long and especially sensitive people, we pour way more than what (laughs) probably the average person does out of our cups. Like our, our cups run dry fast. And so how do you take care of that? How do you fill up your cup throughout the day? And so if you, yeah, if you could explain that concept. Yeah. And you're right. I did get this from my, my therapist. It's one of my favorite things. I actually just did a post about that this morning on Katie Talk Therapy. So fillers, I was talking about specifically burnout, right? So fillers are activities or behaviors that you do that bring you energy, right? Um, So bring you, bring you peace bring you energy, bring you joy, you feel good after doing it, right? You might not feel good when you start doing it, (laughs) but you feel good after, right? Because I think when it comes to burnout or being low in your reservoir, you feel low in energy, you feel tired, you feel like you just want to sit on the couch and zone out. And that's typically a sign that you actually need to get up and do a filler, right? So fillers are things that fill that reservoir back up. And when our reservoir is full, we can handle things better. We, we, we feel better and we can do hard things. And so the, the best way to identify what your fillers are is just to make a list. What are the activities and the things that I do that I feel good at the end of it, right? And create some variance in that list, like things that are really accessible and easy. And then things that maybe take a little bit more effort, right? So as you write out that list, you might kind of find themes, right? Like things that make it really easy to identify in the future. So for me, my my go to categories, anything that falls within the realms of play, um, nature being outside and socialization, those are my fillers, Mm -hmm. right? So if I can go bike riding with a friend, right? That's my like ultimate filler, right? Even going to a Pilates class or going to a yoga class, the reason I do that in the middle of the day is because it's a filler for me and I come back more energized. Even if I'm like, oh, do I really want to go move my body right now? You know, maybe in the moment I'm thinking, oh, no, this feels so hard. I just want to take a nap or I just want to do something else. At the end of it, I'm like, oh, that was worth it. I feel good. But the thing is, we need to make these habitual, right? Um, You don't want to just try to constantly be filling your reservoir when it's already on empty. Will that happen sometimes? Totally. But for the most part, you want to make this habitual thing. So I schedule in fillers throughout my week. I even schedule in fillers on like a tiny basis. Like when I'm doing working on a task that I don't want to work on, because there's a lot of admin what I do, or sometimes something I just... And thinking it's going to be harder than it is. And so I don't want to do it. Or I'm avoiding it for whatever reason. I'll use the Pomodoro technique. 
where you work on something for 20 minutes, you set a timer, and then you take a break for like 10 or 20. I think officially it's 10, but sometimes I push it to 20. But in those 10 minutes or 20 minutes, I will do a filler, right? I will go for a walk outside. I will, you know, text a friend or call somebody. I will stretch or move my body in some kind of way, or I'll do something playful. And then when that timer goes off and it's time to return back to that task again, I'm I'm refreshed. I'm better, right? So that has been huge for me in actually in getting the things done that like in small businesses we need to get done that aren't super fun, but it still incorporates joy and energy in those fillers. I love that. I, and I love the idea of you could either plan to take 40 minutes for a task and it would take you 40 minutes, or you can plan to take 20 minutes for it and 20 minutes to take care of yourself. And you'll probably get it done just as effectively in those 20, knowing that you have something fun to look forward to. <laughs> or you could just it's sit so down and hop about it and it would take you the whole 40 minutes and you would it would still probably be the same or maybe even worse results because you didn't take that time to fill your cup again, you know? Right. My grandpa used to always say something of like, the thing is going to take you as long as you give it. Right. So if you give yourself an hour to do something, it's going to take you an hour. If you take, if you give yourself 30 minutes to do something, it's going to take you 30 minutes. Yeah. And then knowing that you have something that you're, yeah, to have something to look forward to right after. It's like that. I love that. What a great way to structure your day. Especially same thing, knowing if you have things that are on your plate that you're not quite looking forward to. Oh, a great way just to make it like palatable and livable. And this is how we actually like, cause we're, this is a marathon, not a sprint, <laughs> you know, business. We feel like we're yes. constantly supposed to be sprinting. And I feel like that's what we're told is that it's like sprint, rest, sprint, rest, sprint, rest. And it's yeah. like, we can't sustain it's like that, nothing. especially as sensitives. Like that just becomes burnout. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, So good. I wanted to ask you, you would do us the honor of sharing a piece of writing that means a lot to you. So I, um, you know, this podcast is um, specifically for sensitive and creative business owners. And, you know, most of the uh, smaller episodes that I do on my own incorporate a lot of like writing and poetry and spoken word. And I'm really excited to kind of be pulling that out of all of my guests as well. And so would you tell us about what you have and uh, tell, yeah, tell us about what it means to you. So this is, this was hard. There are so many good things out there, by the way, like when you, when you post this, this um, task for this podcast, I was like, oh my God, I have so many like books to go through so many things because so many things have spoken to us, which I think is the beauty of the arts and writing and poetry and all that stuff. So there's, there's plenty of wonderful things out there, but I ended up landing on a book that actually really helps me during my building of my small business. It's Untamed by Glennon Doyle, of course. It came out around the same time that I was really in the, the, the crux of it all, right? Like building my private practice, building Habit Better with my brother. And so this is a passage that she has pretty early on in the book. If anybody wants to like reference it, it's page 51 of Untamed. So this is about how she uses pain right to become who she is. I might tear up while I'm reading it because it's so it's so powerful to me. Okay, here it is. I am here to keep becoming truer, more beautiful versions of myself again and again forever. 
To be alive is to be in a perpetual state of revolution. Whether I like it or not, pain is the fuel of revolution. Everything I need to become the woman I meant to be next is inside my feelings of now. Life is alchemy and emotions are the fire that turns me to gold. I will continue to become only if I resist extinguishing myself a million times a day. If I can sit in the fire of my own feelings, I will keep becoming. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, so powerful. Oh. So powerful. It really is. Mm. That that book was also very instrumental for me too. I know you and I were really bonding over that at the beginning of the pandemic, and how yeah. I mean, what what fortunate fortunate timing for those words. Yeah, she couldn't have released this book at a better time. Honestly, I doubt she planned for it to be released at the you know beginning of a pandemic. But man, no. thank God it did. It was. Uh, we all had a lot of space to just be right and and this book was out and it it helped me when I was really grappling with building who, the business that I wanted and with that the person that I wanted to be how I wanted to live my life day to day and there was a lot of big feelings and a lot of doubting myself a lot of wanting to extinguish like she says like extinguish this experience a million times a day and in reading that I was just like both, oh, wow, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And it resonates with me so much. And then on the other side of that, I was like, oh, crap. I can't extinguish myself. <laughs> I can't numb or avoid in order to, you know, if I want to be the person who I truly want to become. Well, that sucks. But okay, here I go. <laughs> but it is such a yeah beautiful way to look at it. I love the way she says about like alchemy and turning to gold that it's like it takes that fire it takes that um, passion especially as sensitive people I mean that's like the whole concept of this podcast of like it's not business it's personal you know I mean this is yeah. very personal for us and us running our businesses and us just who we are as people like we're we don't we can't separate that and so as we become the people we're meant to become like we're our businesses will follow so I love how you yeah can tie in that the personal journey along with the business journey and knowing that the more that you're working on yourself the better your business will do also it can it'll follow yeah absolutely oh katie thank you so much for joining me today i mean you are just an absolute just beacon of light i think i actually tagged you in something the other day that said um you know tag tag <laughs> what is it some people are just sunshine in human form and pretty much any time that that comes up you are just the person that i think of you are just absolute sunshine oh in human form and i just i learn from you every time we speak and i'm just the biggest fan so please tell listeners where they can find you and how they can um, connect with you. Sure. And before I, it's mutual, Trisha, it's so mutual. Oh. I think of you as pure, pure sun, sunbeams and sunlight. And I'm just so proud of you and so honored to learn from you and get to speak with you. So thanks for having me. I have Katie Talks Therapy um, on Instagram, which is all kind of 
I share a lot of resources for people because I, I really value being a resource for other people. So really, I try to make mental health and relationships approachable. So you'll see a lot of just kind of like funny reels. I add in skills and things that you can try out in your relationship and with your own mental health. And then you can also find me also on Instagram with Habit Better. And since we're talking about, you know, small businesses and making this easy for ourselves. I really have this tool has evolved over time as small businesses do. <laughs> but I ended up really um, with my brother building the tool that I would want for my own private practice. So it's specifically for therapists and for coaches, it is an electronic health record. So right, you can do all the admin stuff that we as sensitive people maybe don't really love, right? The, the scheduling and the billing and all that fun stuff. But really, the bread and butter of it is prioritizing client care. It's helping you be a better therapist or a better coach for your clients and helping your clients show up in their sessions the way that they want to show up. So it has journal prompts, coping skills, habits, and goals that you can assign to your client and that you can both see in real time, right? So I can send a reminder to my client like, hey, did you do that that journal prompt that we talked about in session? And they could go, oh, yes, of course, I needed that reminder. And then they can check it off. And when they check it off, I see that they've done it. Um, the client can put personal notes in there of how things are going. Um, so it really just optimizes the work that you get to do with your clients in session. And it makes it easy, right? No task switching, right? It's all in one portal, um, which was so important to me because I'm like, I cannot task switch. It's super hard for me. But it's really all about improving and monitoring and looking at the overall prog progress and improvement that you can make with your clients and that your clients can make with you. Oh, it's so important. It's like all the stuff we're talking mm -hmm. about with fillers and helping your clients actually make that part of their lives. And yeah, I mean, everything we're talking about, I feel like Habit Better basically Tur yeah, it turns you into the person that you want to be. And, um, yeah. and then as a client and coach, you actually get to facilitate that. And it makes it right. so easy. <laughs> yes, um, yes, that's the goal. We want to make it we want to make it easy. And we want to make it joyful, right? We want to make help people really just build the lives that they want to that they want to live even when life is messy. Oh, Katie, thank you for your beautiful, beautiful heart. So y'all please Aww. follow her at Katie Talks Therapy on Instagram and TikTok and then Habit Better on Instagram. And thank you all for joining us today. And um, you can find me on Instagram as well. I'm at Trisha.Kinichi and I'll be right there. And if y'all love this episode, please make sure to follow the show, to write a review and share about it. Please share the gospel of Katie Miles and everything, <laughs> all these beautiful words that she says. It would just mean the world to both of us. And stay tuned. Thank you all so much for being here. Have a beautiful day. Stay sensitive, stay creative, stay you. We'll see you soon.